Thank you. I might need that. Naomi looked over and she's like, go up there and sing Hit Me Baby one more time. Because <laughs> it's like a Britney Spears if you didn't get that. That's the song she sings. Okay. I know I'm corny, but you're not even laughing at all. That was kind of funny. Okay. Well, thank you for um, being here. And I'm just excited. I, I love to just be me and share God's word with you. So I hope that you are okay with that. Um, Pastor Zach's been talking a lot about us shifting our focus the way we look at things and looking at them a little bit differently. And I've been really enjoying it. Um, Personally, I like to let my heart get filleted open, chopped up a little bit, because I know even though it hurts right now, I'm I'm different in the end. Um, so I embrace that. I'm, I'm the kind of person I just, I like that. I like to be challenged, and I like to, um, I like to have what I believe and what I, the, the things that I hold so much stake and value in to just get shaken a little bit because if we don't get shaken every once in a while, we become stale, and I don't ever want to be stale. I want to be fruitful, and I want to have value, and I want to have a good aroma. So, um, so I love what Pastor Zach's been talking about, just shifting our focus and changing the way we look at things. And so I, today I have an idea that I want to change the way I look at what deception is and how to stay free from it. Um, deception. How many of you guys ever drive a car and veer into the other lane every once in a while? So um, I have to drive. My husband thinks I'm little bit of a hypochondriac, but I get car sick if I don't drive. Maybe it's control and I'm I'm needing to release. But hey, (laughs) call it whatever you want. I drive. That's what I do. Um, So my perspective in the driver's seat is only so much, right? I don't see everything. There's what we call blind spots when we drive. I remember my grandpa, the first place he took me to learn how to drive was the road to Hoover Dam. Like seriously, that's where he took me. I was like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to fall off this cliff. But he was teaching me, you, you're, it's your perspective. And you have blind spots, but you have to be aware of where they are. I don't always see my blind spots. My peripheral vision is all I usually focus on. And so every once in a while, I won't look and see if there's a car in that lane next to me. And I'll just, oh, whoops, let me go back over here. And sometimes you can get, in, you can get yourself into a car accident. You could hurt your car. You could hurt somebody in it if you don't see that blind spot, if you don't see that car right next to you. And sometimes I have to have my husband who's sitting in the passenger seat that I know that he sees better than I see because he has 360 view when he's not driving like I don't. When I'm driving, I can only see what's in front of me. And he can see better because he can see what car's right next to me that I might not be able to see in my vision that I'm looking at. So I trust him to tell me there's a car right there. How many times do we get in accidents in life because we can't trust somebody more than we trust ourselves? See, deception, Chris Volaton said this. Chris Volaton said, the best way to stay out of deception is to trust somebody more than you trust yourself. Well, what is deception? It's being deceived. How do you know you're in deception? You don't because you're deceived. So if you want to know how to get out of deception, you have to be able to trust one other person at least more than you trust yourself. Or you will stay in your pit, you will stay in your accident, you will stay in your deception because you don't trust anybody more than yourself. So I have a 
perspective this morning about how we get ourselves out of deception in a place where we can live and learn to trust somebody else. And I think it's accountability. And I think that's a word that we have thrown around, especially in churches, and we don't give it the stake and value of what the word really means. When you talk about accountability in the definition of, of the word, it's actually responsibility, having to give an account for something. It's usually an aspect of I work for somebody, therefore everything that I do with my time, when I'm their employee, I give an account to them. But in the church, it's different. Because as Pastor Zach was saying, we live in a different Time. We live in a, in a time when the church is governed by love. Um, it says that in Isaiah 16.5, a new government of love is established in the tabernacle of David. We live in the tabernacle of David, and God's love is established in this house. So when we talk about accountability, we are going to say things like responsibility and giving an account for the things that we do, but it's with the basis of love. And, um, and I have three ideas from Ephesians 5 that I want to break down and what it looks like to be accountable. See, um, sometimes we, we go through our days and, and we, we live our lives and we don't feel like I'm a grown-up. I don't have to be accountable to anybody. I remember when I got married and I, and I was very argumentative with my husband, like, you're not my dad. Don't tell me what to do. I am now a grown-up. But when we come with that kind of attitude, we shut ourselves off from being receptive to one another. And how can I grow if that's my attitude? Because I don't know about you, but I know that I don't know everything. I know that I'm not arrived. I know that I am not complete. I know that I am a work in in progress. And I embrace the process of what God is doing in me. But I know that I don't do it on my own. It's not me and God. It's me and God and in the light light of community. So in Ephesians 5, it talks about a command to us in in God's word about what it means, I think, to live in accountability. And the first thing I see is verse 2. And it says, And walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I think the first step that we take is love and honor. How are we accountable? It's living in a, in a community of love and honor. We're not ruled and governed by the system of this world. We're ruled and governed by love. And what does that love look like? Well, it's very clear what it looks like in this verse. It looks like somebody that gives everything for somebody else. And that's not so easy to to do. We have these things like, yeah, Jesus paid it all. He gave everything. He laid his life down. But he did that to be an example. He he did that to show us what it was like to, to be a friend, to take your reputation and lay it on the line for somebody else, to take your very life and lay it on the line for somebody else. See, I think this this governance of love, this community of love, this place where we're accountable to one another is a place where I can look at the person next to me and say, I know you'll lay your life down for me. And I would do the same for you. I want you to look at the person next to you. You might not know them. You might be married to them. You might, they might be a friend. And just think in your heart, 
Would I really lay my life down for them? Would I really risk my reputation for them? Would I give it all for them? Because that's the governance of love that God has called us to. To be that kind of person. To be the person that would risk it all for the one next to us. And I think that's where accountability starts. It starts in that place of love. That place in, of, of safety, of honor, of preference. It's not easy for me to prefer anybody else over myself. And I'm the first to admit, but most of you are the same way you just won't admit it. We are naturally very self promoting, self-motivating, self-reliant people. We are born that way. We're born independent. That's how we feel. We're born in a place where, you know, it's me. I got my, my situation, and I don't really want to give up my comfort, my money, my anything for anybody else. That's how we really live our life most of the time. But as we come into this, this place of community and living life together, we learn that, no, it's not just about me and my comforts. It's about seeing a people, a whole, loving on the Lord. And it's easy. It's easier. I just didn't say easy. It's easier to lay my life down for somebody. You know, I look in this room and, and every Sunday morning, and I think there, there comes, I'm just to be real honest, there's some people that are, that are pastors and, and, that lead, and that lead people and are in places of authority, and they think that they're there for you to serve them. That's a wrong perspective. Every day I remind myself that it is my responsibility to serve you. And it can be very easy for me not to think that. It can be very easy for me to let pride sneak in and be like, uh, no, I am the pastor's wife. I sit right there, bring me some water. No, just kidding. Um, but you know, you guys, I mean, you know, you've been in places in your work, in your, in church, in life when people act like that. But if you're in a position of authority or, or in a position of leadership in any aspect, you're there to serve other people. See, Jesus said, I came as a servant of all. The King of Kings came to serve And that's not in a place of works, but it's in a place of giving who you are and laying it down for the person next to you because if their life will benefit from me giving something away, I want to do that. I want to give of my life and my time and the talents and the grace that God has given me for the sake of the person next to me. And that's where accountability starts. It's that giving, that releasing. Um. I have this quote, and it's really good. I don't, know who, uh, who, um, I don't know who this person is. Her name is Anita Bruckner. And she says, Accountability in friendship is the equivalent of love without strategy. How many of us love with strategy? You're not supposed to. He says, yes. And I was thinking about the teenagers, too. Most of them love with strategy. I love you because you love me. I love you because you're lovely. I love you for what you can do to me, do for me, and how you can make me feel. That's usually love with strategy. But accountability and friendship is like love without strategy. Love without limits. Love without boundaries. Love without reservations. We sing that song, no reservations, no walls. Just an open door for you, Jesus. And if I'm willing to love like that and abandon everything, that's the equivalent of accountability in my friendship. 
It's, you ha- it's necessary. It's necessary. The second thing um, I want to talk about, and I'm going to have my hubby read it so I can breathe. Um, why don't you do 11 through 13 or whatever you think. Go ahead. You're the preacher. Just tell me what to do. You have it? You want me to read verse 11 through 13? Yeah, sure. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things ungodly that people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That's why it said, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Amen. Who's the light of the world? Who lives in us? So who's supposed to be the light in the world at the moment? And if there's light in us, there can be no darkness. Um, I like to shock people sometimes. So, um, Our oldest daughter... She's 11. She's beautiful. And oh my gosh, today she's wearing high heels and it's driving me crazy because <laughs> I'm reminded of how old she's getting. But she was born March 21st, um, 2000. And my husband and I were married September 30th, 1999. Can you guys do math in your head that quick? I was three months pregnant when we got married, if you didn't catch that. Um, and that was something I kept as a secret for a long time. And it held me bound and it held me captive because I felt like I can't do ministry. I made a mistake. I can't be called by God. Look what happened. Look what I did. I, I ran ahead of God and I, I made a mistake and then I tried to cover it up. And, and you know what? I let go and I said that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And let me tell you, there is a lie in the church that says you have to keep your darkest, darkest things secret. There can be no secrets in God's house. You cannot be free until you come clean. And when you hold secrets, you hold yourself in captivity. So that's something I'm, my heart is certain. Mama Debbie Titus taught me this. And, um, and she said, the reason why we have leaders that fall is because they have secrets. In accountability, there can be no secrets. Because I am who I am. Everything. You don't have to like it. That's between you and the Lord. But this is who I am. Um, And I was thinking between services if I wanted to share that little nugget. And if you guys haven't figured it out already. But um, with my about my daughter. And I was like, you know what? If somebody is offended, that's because they're religious. Because if you think you haven't done something worse than what I just told you I did then you're religious. So, um, because we all do things. And I, I, I would swear, I went to a private Christian school um, my senior year in high school, and um, I was always the one that got caught. We were all doing the same stuff, but I swear, every time, I would be the one to get caught. Um, so, that's just, that was how it always worked for me. Everybody's doing the same thing. It's just me, you know? It's just how God is, though, for me. He loves me that much. He's like, Rochelle, I love you so much. You're not going to be able to do nothing without getting caught. 
my husband was, we were talking about this, and he said this, and I quoted him, and it says, hidden, mov- hidden motives and secrets hidden, hi- hinder true accountability. I'm going to say it again. Hidden motives and secrets hinder true accountability. See, sometimes our secrets are motives, impure motives, the way we use people to, to get to places or the way that we, we use people for what they can do for us. And, and those are hidden motives, and that hinders what God really wants to do in a place of accountability. Um, I remember my husband had this accountability um, when we first got married, and, and, um, and he would come home, and he's like, I just... All they want to do is, he was with a group of guys, and he was like, all they want to do is just dump their junk out and never want to change. And I'm like, that's like a hidden motive. If your accountability relationship is just to dump your junk and not ever listen and take value to what the other person has to say, that's not accountability. That's just somebody you're using as a trash compactor or whatever that's called. Because I don't want to be used as a dump, dumpster. I don't think you want to be used as a dumpster. And accountability should not be that. It should be just hearts united and just, I, this is what I'm going through. Okay, let me help you. But hinder, um, hidden motives. Did this go out? Okay. I'm going to use that. I like a handheld too. But hidden, um, hidden motives. The next thing, the last thing I see in Ephesians 5 with, in reference to accountability. I'm not taking my time this service. You guys are lucky or not, sorry. Um, is verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. See, sometimes we submit to people because we're afraid of them. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say to submit to one another because I care what you think about me. It's to submit to somebody because I care what he thinks. Because ultimately, my job is to please my daddy. And that's what I'm here for. And if me being real and honest and transparent with my heart pleases the father and it irritates you, that's up with you. That's between you and God, not me. Because he's pleased with my heart if I'm real. He's not always pleased with my heart, but, you know, sometimes. But that's what I'm here. That's what my job is. And I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please the Father. But if I'm real and transparent, that brings freedom to other people. It brings freedom. It breaks chains of religion that, that tells you that you have to have this mask on. You have to be this, this perfect person. We were at the Women of Faith Conference this weekend, and this lady, she was so cute. Every time she got up, she showed her spanks, um, which was really funny, even though she was like she didn't need them. And I was like, whatever, you just put them on to, like, make us feel better about ourselves. But, um, <laughs> but, she would, but it was just like she was, like, making the point that being real brings freedom and it, it brings walls down. And it, there's real people. Just because somebody, even, you know, we look at people in authority. Just because they're in authority doesn't mean they're, they're separate from being real. They're real. They can make mistakes. They can do things. So when we submit to one another, it's not in the fear of a person. It's in the reverence and the awe of who God is. 
Jack Hayford says, worship establishes the climate in which people begin to learn true submission to one another and divine order and government in the church. I'll say it again. Worship establishes the climate in which people begin to learn true submission to one another and divine order and government in the church. How do we learn how to honor each other? How do we learn how to really submit to one another in the fear of God? It's in a it's in an atmosphere of the presence of the Lord. It's in an atmosphere of worship. Because if my goal is to worship Daddy and to love on him, then I will do what pleases him. And what pleases him is to love each other. So if my heart is, is in worship, that's where we create this atmosphere where it's easy to love each other. I think we're learning this as a church um, some of you guys, you don't go here regularly, but I think as a church for us that this is our home, we're learning what it looks like to live in community. We're learning what it's sweet fellowship is, where we can really come to each other, where we can really like let down these walls and the place that we come where most people in the world feel the least safe, we come and feel the safest. Because how many people go to church every Sunday and it's not a safe place for them to be real? How many people go to church every Sunday and they don't feel like they can really worship God because they're expected to be somebody that they're not? I want to go to a place where I feel safe, where God's presence is here. And I think we're learning that. Um, A quick testimony. Uh, We were talking, I was talking with a group of ladies yesterday and this one lady said the first service I came to was two years ago our Easter service it was our first Easter service and she came and she said I have been in this city for 12 years and I came in the church and I felt home I felt family I felt loved for the first time and I said what a testimony what an expression of the heart of God when you can finally, after looking for 12 years, have mercy for a place where you feel welcomed. So we're learning this. And I feel like it's God's heart for us to learn what it's like to live in a place where we are free from deception, free from religion, free from masks. We're able to be ourselves, not not hold somebody to a, a to uh, an expectation of what they are not going to be, but to honor them until they become what God's called them to be. Because there's a big difference. See, I can see see God's call on people's life. And I can expect you to act like that right now, which is not what God's word says, because an expectation sets you up for failure. But I can honor you where you are until you become what I see God is in you. Amen. Amen. And I see that in this place. I see a pastor that loves people and sees a heart of ministry and loves them where they are and lets them grow in what what God is calling them to become. Amen. I want to pray. I feel like some people in this place, you might feel like you're that story that I talked about in the beginning. You're in the middle of a car accident. And I'm going to tell you this in love. But 99% of our car accidents are caused because we have blind spots. Because we choose not to hear what people say. Because we choose to rely on our own perspective. 
and not trust other people and not trust the Lord. So if you'd bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to ask you, if if you're in this place this morning and you feel like I am in the wreck of my life, I am in this place where I don't know how I got here, I don't know what happened, but I'm in an accident and I need to get out. And there's a road home and that road is Jesus. There's a road to find your place, to get yourself out of that accident, and that road is daddy's arms. And let me tell you, no matter what you've done or where you've been, he loves you. His gaze is on you, and he's ravished over you. I think about a God that loves me no matter what. My heart doesn't run. My heart says yes. See, we run because we don't understand that he loves us. Once we know he loves us, our hearts, they say yes. So I want to pray for you if that's you this morning. If you're in this place and you say, I just, I need to get back where I'm supposed to be. With nobody looking around, just lift up your hand. Yeah. There's hands going up. See, when we find ourselves alone, abandoned, abused, neglected, hurt, mistreated, that's the place where we find Jesus. Jesus' arms wrap around us through the arms of her brothers and sisters. So you're not alone. You're never alone. He's always with you. He's always with you. Can we dim these lights? And I want, if you raised your hands, I want you just to stand up where you are because I want to have somebody come and pray with you. Just stand where you are. Nobody's looking around. Yeah. If you're part of the prayer team, will you just go find somebody and just be Jesus' arms? Just be God's arms. Everybody else, just love on the Lord. We love you. We thank you this morning for who you are, for your word, for what you've done for us, for the perfect example of Jesus. When my heart is broken, My heart is broken
that's crushed I don't know where to turn When my spirit's crushed I don't know where to turn I turn to you, God I turn to you Minister your love right now I'm turning to you where you can come and nobody's going to look at you because of where you've been or what you've done. And you're going to be loved and you're going to be embraced and we love you. Just encourage you in that. Elaine has um, a drawing that she wants to share. So if we could just, uh, if you're being prayed over, just stay in that and stay in an attitude of prayer and She's going to share. It's a drawing of the Lion of Judah, and he looks like he's walking away from us, and I've never seen this image before, and it actually startled me when I first saw it. But he's walking into some presence, some sphere, some realm, some place that I don't recognize. Lord says to you, I am on the move. I am moving into your destiny. If you want to see me, if you want to know me, just follow. Follow me into our destiny for you. We, oh, excuse me, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father God, this is profound truth of what what Rochelle was speaking this morning. Lord God, this this is the way it is that we just come to you with no agenda. Lord, we must approach you 
in the nakedness of vulnerability of our very core. And in doing so, we are free. That's the journey. We're free. And you're just saying, follow me. Follow me. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you behind. But I will see your destiny realized. Father God, I'm so honored to just be given privilege to stand with these godly parents in this house who love you so profoundly and demonstrate that every week. And I just keep asking the Lord who they are and why we're so gifted with them. And I tell everybody in Las Vegas, everywhere I go, and when I go out of state, I tell them about the encounter because you guys are doing something and you don't even know how big it is. I just want to encourage you. And when I was sitting there waiting, I just heard the Lord say, they are apostles and they don't know it, but they're apostles of my heart. And that's as good as it gets, guys. That's as good as it gets. These people will steward your heart. Loyalty is a gift from God. And when you receive that gift of loyalty towards this leadership, they will be human. They will stumble. But they will always get up. And they will always walk towards him. Honor them because they love you as their own. (laughs) 